You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to First Bite, our Detroit Lions midweek podcast where we bring in a very, very special guest. And we are at the tail end, Ryan, of our uh, unnamed series where we just talk about every Lions draft pick with a beat writer who knows them well. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson week. Um, But before we get into all that, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the editor-in-chief over at Pride of Detroit, your co-host for First Bite. With me as always, as I just kind of nodded towards, Ryan Matthews, senior editor of Pride of Detroit at Ryan underscore POD on Twitter. Ryan, we made it. We, we did. We, we made it. And then we finally brought someone on to talk about USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, thank God. Yeah. We'll, no. we'll, save, we'll save that for Chris. <laughs> enough takes, enough yeah. takes for, for the week. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's jump right into our guest. Uh, you know, he, he's, so, uh, he's got so many credits here. I'm not sure how I'm going to fit them all into this podcast, but he's one half of the Beat podcast, which covers University of Michigan and MSU. He's one half of the one of these years podcast with the great Chris Burke about Detroit Lions football. He was on the Michigan beat for a long time. He was on the Lions beat. And now he's a senior writer for the athletic focusing on the NFL draft with that really unfair group of analysts over there at the athletic. <laughs> Nick man, we're having fun. Here. You are guys. Uh, welcome, man. Thanks for, Thanks, for joining Jeremy. us. Nick. I appreciate it. That was a hell of an introduction, but yes, we are having fun. It's been uh, a lot of fun, especially uh, these last several months, it's really been fun covering the Lions the last year and a half, I would say. Right. You guys. Would yeah. That, so. I think there was yeah. kind of a delineation. Yeah. It, it was, was bad fun for a while. And then really fun. <laughs> <laughs> and then it got, and then it got interesting and now, you know, and it's still interesting, which is good. Right. So we're, yeah. we're happy with that. Yeah. Well, obviously you're a good guy to talk to here because you, you've seen Aiden Hutchinson kind of on both sides right. already. Um, yeah. But I, I want to kind of go back to the beginning there because I don't think Aiden Hutchinson's recruitment was all that exciting in terms of drama. I, I think no, landing no, him was probably so. yeah. a, a slam dunk and, and an easy one, a layup for, for Jim Harbaugh. But I guess, do you remember kind of the reaction back then as, as like how special of a talent he was at that point? Was it just, was it a shrugging of the shoulders or was it like, well, oh, this could be a good dude? Yes and no. It, it was a shrugging of the shoulders that he committed because I don't think anybody, like you said, was surprised. Um, but it, 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 it wasn't something that was passed over because Two reasons, I would say. One, um, Greg Madison, who was Michigan's, I believe, defensive line coach at the time, mm-hmm. uh, was uh, either defensive coordinator or defensive line coach at Michigan when his, when Chris Hutchinson was uh, was playing at Michigan. And Chris Hutchinson has forever been one of Greg Madison's favorite players, um, mm-hmm. maybe his favorite actually player, based on his work ethic and the crazy sort of like attacking, like you know crazy guy just never slows down right that was chris hutchinson like all gas all the time and so they thought this is what we've got a longer version of that um 
And so they were, they were very excited about him. I remember that when, when he committed and a lot of people, he was um, not rated. I don't think super high in the 24 seven stuff. And I almost wondered if he was the type of kid who just didn't camp on a lot of stuff. Maybe, I don't know if he did or didn't, but I think it was almost like a Michigan knew what they had. They were not surprised at all. And they thought we're getting a longer version of Chris Hutchinson. That's what, everyone there. And Jim Harbaugh was the other thing he presented. I remember one year, like two years later, I want to say after they got the equipment from him at, they used to go to the coaches clinic in Lansing. This was before COVID. So they were still doing it in person. <laughs> and he gave a presentation and uh, to all the high school coaches in the state on like a grading scale of his perfect player, you know, 10 of 10, you know, one out of 10 score for like five different categories. And the highest grade he'd ever given was to Aiden Hutchinson. That was his like character, hustle, athleticism, all this other stuff. And, you know, it was one of those things at the time where you're like, whatever. <laughs> okay, Jim, like, what are you talking about? But then, you know, as time goes on, you're like, well, you know, that, that kind of plays out. So um, long way of getting there, but it was one of those things where he was a skinny kid that just sort of had to keep working. But I think everybody knew he was going to be really good. Well, Nick, you mentioned that, you know, everybody knew that, you know, Hutchinson was going to be a good player. So was there a moment like in spring practice or a game during his freshman year in 2018 that, that turned your head and said, Oh yeah. Okay. So now I understand why Jim Harbaugh is rating him 10 out of 10 on everything. Exactly. Like I think that it kind of happened quickly too. And to me, it was almost when I was thinking about this earlier, like the big surprise or not a surprise, but almost like the head turner was that he got on the field at all as a freshman, because they were really kind of stacked. They had Rashawn Gary, Winovich, uh, Quiddy pay, um, I think some other guys in there too that were draft picks, they were really, really good up front and there wasn't a lot of room for him. And I think that there was like a, I think they played Nebraska pretty early in the, the big 10 season and Gary got hurt and he got in the game. Hutchinson got in the game and, you know, shucked a tight end and came down the line and just stuffed a, a run. And he did it like, he, like an old guy, he did it like a veteran. And it was like, Whoa, he's physically as a true freshman ready to go. Like he was, that is something I remember them being surprised about that. He was physically ready to compete at the big 10 level um, his freshman year. I think they thought he was going to need a year to sit completely in red shirt and not even have to worry about playing, but he shows up in camp. And I think that he sort of forced them uh, to put him on the field because he was just, he gained a bunch of weight in the off season and they were surprised by it. I do remember that. Flash forward a year and he's a full-time starter at that point. Yeah. Kind of dominating in, in an right. underrated way because the sack numbers aren't there. What do you kind of attribute to that year two yeah. jump? Is it, is it, did he gain weight? Was it just fine tuning or was it just a matter of him finally getting on the field full time? That's a really good question. And it's like, it, it's, it's the opportunity of, to play, I think. And, you know, the sack numbers, I, I know that people point at that a lot. And it was a similar conversation with, with uh, Rashawn Gary and that both guys were playing that anchor heavy end in that even front Don Brown four, three scheme, which was, the take on guy you're playing opposite the tight end and you're taking on tight end tackle. You're taking on double teams. You're taking on a chip. You're doing all sorts of whatever. I don't think Rashawn ever loved it. Uh, and they didn't make much of a secret about it. Aiden, I think would have done that until the wheels came off. I don't think he cared. <laughs> right. And like, and like you said, Jeremy, it was a quiet sort of like Queenie pay that year, I think cleaned up a ton because he was getting a lot of, and he played really well too, but he was getting a lot of stuff that I think was being created by Aiden because he was really doing all the things I think they hoped Rashawn was going to really embrace and, and just explode through. And Aiden was sort of doing it maybe more so, I think, in that year. He had a better year than Rashawn did at any point, I think, in 2019. Um, and that's when people sort of saw, okay, yeah, he's ready to, you know, ready to go. But that's partly why, 
you know, he blows up because of the opportunity, but it's also like you look at it and say the numbers were what they were because, and it's, you know, it's whatever people used to get at me because I would say that about Gary all the time, but it's like, that's the scheme. That's what he's being asked to do. So that did limit the numbers and limit some of the production numbers, which I think is going to show up. But, you know, as they go forward, they change the defense and a lot of things, you know, improve from there. Yeah, well, I guess one thing that doesn't improve is Aiden Hutchins' availability in 2020, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the, ankle, the ankle injury happens. And it almost seems, Nick, a lot like without having that 2020 season, Kayvon Thibodeau and all these, like specifically him, rises to the top of, of the draft boards. But then 2021 happens, right? And like, yeah, I mean, what what else is there to say about his 2021 season that ultimately made him like the number one pick? I mean, he just sort of willed it. I think that that's the thing. It's it, it was funny to me in the in the in the late fall, I guess, or early, maybe almost even winter there, when he became a Heisman candidate almost like overnight publicly. People were like, "This, where did this guy come from? Out of nowhere." And it's like, well, if you paid attention, you know that it, it really wasn't overnight. It was an accumulation of just taking games over, over and over and over again, and the way that they used him you know, uh, a lot of what they were doing and overloading the weak side of a team and then letting him just hang on the strong side by himself, basically, and saying, you know, come challenge him. I mean, he was just at a focus level, I would say, um, that I have seen from very few, if any, college athletes. Like, he was at a level of intensity, focus. Like, it reminded me – I haven't seen any Michigan athlete like that um, since I've been covering him. He was it uh, in terms of, like, I'm here to win and I don't care what anybody – uh, for, in terms of a football player, I should say. There's some basketball players that have come through, I think, that I've seen that from. But uh, from a football standpoint, he was the, you know, you know, I think that they were telling people in August, like, he's going to have a year that's going to put him in the top five. Absolutely, no question about it. He's ready to go. And you, every time you saw him or talked to him, you could sort of see it in his face and in and, and how he was, I think, hurt and took a lot of, personal about what happened with Michigan and himself and everything else the year before. And you could see that really fuel up. And it's interesting, Jeremy, we were talking earlier, like I could sort of see that when he was walking around out there at minicamp, even some of those availabilities, he doesn't get like surly, but he gets a little like short, you know what I mean? And (laughs) like, he's in a zone. Like, I think that that means he's working, you know? So that's what I remember most about his senior year. Like he was in a zone. uh, Like I think few college athletes get to. Well, let's talk a little bit about that schematic change that happens that year because i feel like that yeah. that at least unlocks some of the stats you know he got he got the treatment there Rashawn gary never right had the, the the fortunate uh right yeah to, he got to do it yeah <laughs> yeah so so what what about the switch from, from don brown to mike mcdonald really accentuated i guess in strengths yeah i think it, i think a couple things you know it allowed some versatility to show up you know he was they moved him around and you know don brown you know they moved him around some there too he, he rushed inside and that's going to help him out and it did help him out with uh, the Lions, of course. But they moved him around more in space and, sh- and showed off more of that agility and more of that you know closing speed that he's got. And I think the one big thing that was sort of underrated that I'm not sure it was planned was that when you stand him up opposite Ojabo, who everybody knows is this quick twitch, like all gas, and then you let him go and you're like, well, geez, I mean, like, it's really not that different. Like him and Aiden are running about the same clip. It's, you know, it's not. And you could sort of see, I think, or at least scouts, I think, started to see like, whoa, like he is way quicker and maybe faster and, you know, got more burst than we probably thought. Plus he's in the best shape of his life. Plus he's like adding strength at a pretty crazy pace. And he's got that compact body and all that twitch. So I think that 
yeah, they showcased more of it. And I'm not sure it was by design. It was just sort of a thing that happened, but it was like right place, right time for everybody, including Mike McDonald, as you see what happened to him. He turned it into a terrific career move. But I mean, yeah, I mean, more than anything, it just really showcased everything he can do. They just let their best player be their best player. And that's what happened. And, you know, that's why they had the season they did. Yeah. So Nick, I think the next thing we want to do, right, Jeremy, is uh, maybe debunk some narratives or, or you yeah. can agree with, or we can confirm them. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> throw a little game in the middle here. Yeah. yeah. Why don't you kick it off, Jeremy? Okay. Aiden Hutchinson is a one-year wonder because he only had a lot of sacks his senior year. That's a false narrative. Yeah. That's a, that's a false one for the reasons we sort of touched on, right? Like sure. I think that you do have to go back and look at, his underneath career, you know, the, the, the 2019 season, 2018, he barely plays because they're stacked. You can't take that away from him. And that's real 2019. He was great, but he's playing in a role that isn't really sack required. We'll say um, gets hurt in 2020. And then is awesome in a role that requires him to get up to the quarterback. So I think that there are questions, fair questions about his ceiling as a pass rusher in the NFL, but the better value with Aiden Hutchinson is the full complete player. And I think that you have to look at all the things with him. So no false narrative. He's not a one here. One year wonder. Do you think if he had not returned to Michigan for, for the 2021 season, do you think there's a chance like he could have been still been a first round prospect? I do. Yeah. yeah. It's a really good question. And like, I was, you know, I think about that a lot because there was some narrative going around at the time, like in December, like he had, he thought he wasn't going to get drafted or he was going to be like a second date for a day two pick. And he didn't know. And I'm like, ah, that might be a bit, a bit dramatic. Like, I just don't think, I think everybody knew he was good, you know, but you know, it would have certainly put in jeopardy and uh, question if, if he's certainly a first round talent all the way, everybody knew that, but yeah, maybe he would have slipped out, but I mean, there's no way he would have gone beyond the second round. I don't know why uh, that, that got a little Tom Rinaldi ish for my taste there at the end of the year when they were like, Hey, no, it went from like not even being on draft boards. I'm like, I don't think that's true, but you know, either way. Yes. Obviously coming back helped. Yeah. Well, so speaking of ceilings, right. And, and what yeah. Aiden might be pushing against at the next level. I think that there was this narrative that was constructed during draft season of Hutchinson can't be the Bosa's because he doesn't have the bend that they have, right. doesn't ha- quite have the, the athleticism that maybe they have. So there's this perceived idea that Hutchinson at his most impactful cannot match the Bosa level of production at the next level. Factor fiction on that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's fiction, I, I would say. I think that you have to put that as a fiction in terms of a narrative because obviously he's got to go prove it. But I mean, the athletic testing – his best athletic comparisons are the Boses. I mean, it's that's it all the way. Like in terms of the Boses have longer arms um, by, you know, whatever, a couple. I don't think they have crazy longer arms, but they're obviously more standard length. But everything else, including the agility stuff and the burst and the strength and, and the speed, um, it's, it's almost identical. I mean, like he is, in my mind, in a lot of ways, and I thought this for a couple of years now, um, cause I saw both Nick and Joey at Ohio state, um, up close there for as long as they were there. Aiden is much more like Nick. I thought Joey was the most dominant one I saw, but like it's, he's in that ballpark. I think he's in, on that dance floor. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know why that narrative held, right? Like 
I was surprised that there were that many people that were surprised at his testing numbers. <laughs> I guess that there were yeah, that yeah. many people it, that were like, I can't believe he's fast. I'm like, really? Like, did you watch him at all? Like, I mean, what? It really yeah. persisted though. It really persisted it that there was this idea yeah. that like, you, you mentioned Nick, like they're on the same dance floor, but it's like, who's going to get crowned king at the end of the night? Like right. a lot of people said that can't be Aiden Hutchinson. He won't be the Boses. But like, well, I, I mean, like you said, a lot of the athletic testing will put that yeah, to bed. I mean, it's pretty close. I mean, it's yeah. a pretty close comp. I mean, that would be, you know, if you're going to do just the, the straight 30,000 foot comp, it's one to pick your pick. I mean, Aiden is one of the two Boses, if not a hybrid of both almost in some weird way. All right. This next narrative, I'm not going to say it, it all came from Michigan state fans, but it probably did. <laughs> I'm sure a chunk uh, of it did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Georgia game. Yeah. Uh, big red flag for him. Well, I don't think it was a big red flag. No. I mean, obviously he's been, you know, he doubled and shipped and more than that, Georgia's game plan, I think was specifically designed to just everything away from him, everything away from him. Don't even mess with him, leave him alone. Although I would say, you know, I don't think you can totally write it off. It's totally irrelevant because when we're talking about a number one overall pick and he went number two, but we're talking about a number one overall player, or we're trying to define someone as if, are you generational? Are you a guy that like, we can just stamp it right now and say he is going to be a badass for 15 years. He would have found a way to make an impact in that game. He would have, I don't know if it would have been enough to wreck it or do anything, but you would have felt him in that game. I, you know, it's a different conversation completely, obviously, but like the thing that just popped into my head when Mike Vick's playing Florida state in the national championship game, all those years ago, and they get their Virginia tech gets the crap kicked out of them, but he was awesome. And, and everybody's like, well, look at this guy. Right. And so like, that's the type of stuff that I think that the criticism can be a s- sort of fair because we're talking about, is he generational? Not, is he good? Right. <laughs> like, I mean, right. like, yes, he is a terrific football player. Absolutely worthy of, of that spot. That is a false narrative, but I, I don't, I don't totally dismiss it because that brought in some of that question that we talked about during the draft process of like, you know, what is his ceiling? I, I don't know. You know, we know his floor is pretty good, but I think, you know, we still have to see some proof. Uh, I think from him out there, I think he knows that. And that's part of his drive and everything else too. You want to get one more in here, Ryan, before we go to break? Um, Well, I I guess I just want to take it back to a a question that we can ask about Hutchinson um, Mm -hmm. as a person. Um, We we had a chance to to talk to him real quick during, um, is that during uh, combine? I think it was combine week, wasn't it? Combine. Yeah. yeah. It's during combine week. Yeah. So he's doing, you know, probably a hundred different press runs. Right. Um, but he comes off as this guy who's like very curt. Um, mm-hmm. he, he seems like he's reserved, almost uh Jeremy has here in the notes, well trained or well trained. Boring, yeah. maybe. Boring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But but like like you alluded to a little bit earlier, Nick, you, you mentioned that like, you know, maybe some of that is just him being so locked in. Yeah. Um, but like what about like is he just kind of that reserved person and then on game day he just turns it on and the guy eats, sleeps, and breathes yeah, football I, or what? I there's definitely some lab some laboratory to Hutchinson in terms of how he's presented <laughs> to the public. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, his parents are both very media savvy. I would say like his dad is a very smart guy, obviously like played at Michigan it would have been an NFL, uh, you know, big timer if he hadn't gotten hurt and he's been a doctor. So they're, you know, I think his mom is a, is involved in media in some way, shape or form, but they've always been very savvy with how he's presented and all this sort of stuff. So I think all of that is absolutely very calculated. Yes. How he presents himself to the public and all of that. Um, But, you know, I don't know if it's something that ever, I had questions about it early on at Michigan, honestly, like I would see that from 
his family and I would like, because it's, it's very tight lipped and like, Hey, we're all here for Aiden. And it's like a team Hutchinson almost, which can rub people the wrong way. I, I mean, that's you know, in some locker rooms that can rub people the wrong way. And I look to see uh, if that would be the case. And I don't think it was, I think that the guys at Michigan liked him. I think that everything I could kind of vibe there was they respected how hard he worked. They liked him. He was one of the guys he loved playing there, of course. Um, and as demanding as his dad is and, and as sort of like, you know, uh, cut and dry or, you know, neat and trim as the family presents everything for his brand and all that, I guess we can talk about that now as brand, but like, I do <laughs> think, I don't think that that's necessarily, I, I can't speak to it all the way, but the guys seem to like him. I think that, and we yeah. can see that a little bit out at, um, camp that, uh, mini camp that the, the young guys that were out there working with him, he seems to fit in well and get along. I mean, when they go out there and play, I think for him is when he, he gets along really well with everybody because he's not really afraid and he just cuts it loose and goes. Have you ever kind of seen the Mets slip a little bit though? Like only when they're playing, like only when they're playing. Yeah. Yeah. They don't let, you know, Michigan would never let us go to practice obviously. Right. So like, and I will say this, there was one time, one of my, my most vivid Aiden Hutchinson media memory from college is actually, um, I guess it was 2019. They lost at Wisconsin in a it's horrible. They just got the crap kicked out of him. It was really bad. And um, he was young and they brought him in there and he was like beat red in the face. And he was like almost unhinged to a point where I was like, I'm surprised they let him out here. I think he's about to swear or do something <laughs> like, and I could tell how, you know, like bothered he was and upset he was by the performance and the loss and everything else. And you could see that, you know, it was like bubbling underneath, but he was keeping himself like, I can't, you know, lose it here or whatever in front of everyone. So I think he's cognizant of it, but I definitely think you see the paint on his face, the war paint, you see the clip of him talking trash at Ohio state. Like that's how he is on the field. That all shows up um, in every drill he does too. But um, yeah, it's a weird juxtaposition, right? Cause it's like, yeah. that's not who you are. Like I mean, but he compartmentalizes you well. want to process. Yeah. If that's what you want to present, that's fine. Yeah, can't argue. All right, uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to switch to more projection, uh, where Aiden Hutchinson is going to play, how well he can play, ceiling, all that sort of stuff. When we come back on First Bite, here with Nick Baumgartner from The Athletic. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more 
and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back here on First Bite talking Aiden Hutchinson with Nick Baumgartner from The Athletic. Both on the Lions and Michigan beat in his history now working as kind of the main, not the main, but like I said, part of an awesome team over there uh, at the athletic talking about the NFL draft. Uh, let's get back into Aiden. And uh, here's a, a, a question I've received a couple times and I'm curious your thoughts. Um, we, we saw Aiden with his hand in the dirt in that 2019 season where he had that breakout mm-hmm. year. He was mm-hmm. more off the, off the edge and, and off the ball in, yeah. in 2021 when he has a breakout season so far. I mean, we've seen the Lions use him, a little bit of everywhere, but mostly with his hand is in the dirt. Do you have mm-hmm. any concern that they're maybe not maximizing his skill set there? No, I mean, it's too early probably to get into that area, but I almost think you do have to be careful because I think you actually have to sort of do it in shifts. They were doing, I think, a little bit more than it almost looked. He was flipping back and forth, going from, um, you know, sort of following the tight end. So he's playing on either side of the formation, the heaviest, you know, side of whatever, whichever it would, you know, shake out in whichever front they were in, but he was also moving inside some yeah. um, and playing and rushing from the three tech too. So I think it's very interesting and I'm very curious to see how much they put on his plate, like in the first couple of weeks of camp, because long-term you're right. They, you want to do everything with him because he has the ability to do that. But like the question becomes is, you know, how fast does he pick up, you know, a and B before you can go to C. And I think that that'll be, you know, the true test. And it was encouraging, I think, if you're the Lions to see how fast he sort of worked his way from the sort of the scout team on the opposite field in minicamp to he was with the starters by the end of minicamp. I mean, and he was clearly, you know, one of the best, you know, 11 or 15 guys they had out there. So very curious to see how his first two weeks of like contact go in training camp. And then maybe, you know, do we see them experiment more with him outside, but also you know, I thought about that too. Like Julian O'Quara has got to get more reps out there. I think James Houston's a guy they want to see. Jared Davis is yeah. a guy that's going to get reps out there too. So right now, I think, and this will probably hold through camp now that I'm thinking about it, and people might have this question again. It might be best, you know, for them to sort of say, hey, pick, let's pick two things for you to sort of master here before we go on to three or four, uh, because we also need to work other guys, you know, sort of on that, you know, spatial edge, stand up and run, uh, sort of thing too. So it'll be interesting to see, but I think that I would almost defer to the, you know, go a little slower with him and not try to overload it too much because he's going to have a lot on his plate, right? Like yeah. local kid playing here, all that. I mean, that's going to be a lot, even for a kid who can be a little robotic. Uh, I think that that's still <laughs> going to be a lot to digest uh, for him when it really gets going. Do you have a follow-up for that, Jeremy? Sure. Yeah. Like, so you, you did mention like, you don't want to overload him, but do you still use him as like a sit? I mean, you still probably obviously want him out there as much as possible as rookie year, not yeah. only to learn, but just because he's exactly. one of your best players. So where, I guess, where would you move him around at on certain special, you know, yeah. when it comes to like, I think right scenarios? now, right. Yes. I think right now I would like on, on, and rush downs, I would be interested to see him rushing inside yeah. more than I would outside. Almost. I would, I would be interested to see him up against the guard. Like if you're if, depending on the matchup, but if you're, you're playing a team where they've got, you know, maybe a pair of guards who's big and strong and tough and they're not as quick. Like, I'd like to see that, like, let him work a guard opposite like Levi or something. I think that could be really interesting. And then you could also put, you know, speed out there. You could say Charles Terrace, Julian O'Quara, Aiden Hutchinson, and Levi. Those are your four on a rushdown. That's pretty good. Now you're cooking, right? So like, I think that 
those are the situations I would, I would look to see if how many times I could get Hutchinson, Julian and Charles Harris on the field together in rush spots. Cause I think you could do it in a lot of different ways. Romeo too, really. I mean, you, once sure. he's healthy, you could work those guys in a bunch of different combinations and sort of, you know, games and twists and all that sort of thing. But I think I would really like to see what he can do inside in the NFL. Cause I think, his future obviously is going to be everything else out there, but I, I think the big value that unlocks is can he play, you know, from center all the way out. And I think that he has the potential to maybe do that. And, you know, we'll see some of that early here in camp. And in, in base, you just kind of expect him to be out there on the edge. Cause he's such a, I mean, we, we were talking yeah. all about his pass rush. He, he's a fantastic run defender yeah. too. Yeah. He's a first, second down, you know, get on the strong and play with the tight end. Like that's yeah. what I think he's going to do is wherever the tight end goes, he's going to be with the tight end. Uh, you know, against a run on first and second down and then third down, you get creative. And that's where, you know, we'll see, Hey, I mean, if he goes into camp and, and, you know, has developed more rush moves or something, maybe that is something where they start walking him out and he's doing more of that. I don't know. But, you know, I think based on what we saw and how much Aaron Glenn talked about how excited he was um, with everything he could do inside, I would think that they're they're going to have plans there, you know, for him to do that this year quite a bit. So uh, obviously a guy as versatile as Hutchinson is, I mean, you think about a lot of the positives and a lot of the um, the pros to just having him on your football team. And you, you just went at length, Nick, talking about how versatile he can be. And, you know, one of the things that kept on creeping up uh, as to why you want to draft him at the, at the top of the draft is he has this like never ending motor. And uh, a thing yeah. that I think he talked about a lot in the pre-draft process was he talked a lot about like speed to power and, and how, how right. he can get that done. Um, when you're talking about Aiden Hutchinson, what do you think right now at, at this stage in his career is his best, like technical trait that, that will show up on game days? That's a great point. Yeah. Because it can't just be the motor. Right. And that's the thing that everybody defaults at with guys like this, but I think his, the thing that he has, uh, and everybody fixated on that, on those long arms, uh, I think he's a, or the short arms, I should say, I think, I think he's a full body athlete, like his arm arm speed is legit. Like he gets off the ball. First step is powerful and fast and assertive and he and knows where, where he's going. It's like, it's all, it's not like the speed to power is a rush move, but Aiden Hutchinson is powerful speed. That's just what he is. He's like a, you know, he's metal that moves fast almost in, in, a, in a weird way. Like the hand twitch and the ability to sort of shake and get guys off of him to where the punch sometimes is just irrelevant and, and he will be bothered by length in the NFL guys that can move outside that are long. Um, I mean, that's a thing. His arms are short. That's not a lie. That's going to be a thing. But the reason why it doesn't matter uh, more often than not is, you know, he gets inside of you a lot faster than you get inside of him. His technique is very consistent and very good inside, especially against the run. Um, and I think that's what combined with that effort, makes him very difficult to run the ball. I mean, it's just, that's what he does for you. When I was boiling it down, that's what won him over for me over Thibodeau every single time where it was like, I trust him against the run 10 times out of 10 right now, tomorrow than I would over Kayvon in any situation. Um, Pass rush is a different conversation, but against the run and that is super important. And we always fixate on, you know, the closer and getting off the field, but like you got to play first and second down too. So um yeah, I think that's that's where the strength is right now for him, and it's about expanding out to being more of a you know playmaker on the outside. Well, yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. Maybe the the points where he might struggle early on um, is it is it with those yeah. long arm pass protectors? Um, is it is it maybe does he have a lack of, of pass rush moves at this point? Does that need to be more developed? In yeah, his game? I, 
Yeah, I think I think both. Uh, you know, I think that you know when you're when you're playing against some of the big tackles with length that can move outside and have the agility to match you and can kind of recover athletically. Now it's, he's got to figure that out. Like, I think that's something that's going to take some, take some time. Like you can see a couple of those, like, you know, there was a couple of moments early last season where Sewell was getting beat on a few things that he had to fix. Cause it was like, you need to, you just need to see it. Right. So I think there's some of that that he's going to have to see, uh, you know, for himself, but I just, in general, yes, his pass rush plan um, needs to be more, I think probably polished a lot of it in college was just the straight speed to power. I'm going to attack your outside shoulder with all I've got and just run your ass over. And that and it worked more yeah. often than it didn't. And, you know, I mean, a lot of it was hustle too. I mean, he gets a lot of sacks and TFLs because he's just playing harder than everybody else. So it's got to be about more than that. He's got to have a more refined rush plan. And that for a guy like Hutchinson, who's going to be asked to do an awful lot uh, is going to be a big challenge. Like that's going to be, that's going to be for him. I think, the difference from going from good to great, like the extra couple of percentage points, you know, to really max out as a, everybody looks back and says that was a great pick at number two. He's going to have to be a guy that gets sacks. He's going to have to be a guy that, you know, produces, uh, you know, and helps you get off the field and more than just, you know, really sturdy rundown stuff. So, you know, that's, I think the biggest test is, are you going to continue to grow as a pass rusher? Keep, you know, keep focus on your technique and everything else there, but, there's going to be counters and things that we don't even know yet that he's going to have to deal with um, that he's going to have to learn in time. But, you know, that's something that, you know, I think everybody goes through. And Nick, you talk about a lot of those expectations in terms of sack numbers and things like that. And I was just looking at my phone to, to make sure DraftKings still has him as the odds on favorite to be the defensive rookie of the year. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Kayvon Thibodeau isn't too far behind um, right. Hutchinson at plus 500 and Thibodeau at plus 550. But you know, to, to live up to that kind of expectation, like what, what, what are you expecting out of, you know, Hutchinson in, in terms of year one? And I hate to ask you for statistics, but maybe ball. Yeah. It's a great question. And it's like, for me, if he's going to be at his level that we would say he's like at rookie of the year level or defense rookie of the year level, then that would mean that, that they are a good run defense. That would mean that we are all looking at the entire package and saying he improved he, you know, his presence improved them and we can see it. We can see it in the numbers. Right. It's not, it wouldn't necessarily be his numbers, but it would be like, they are, a, they're harder to run against. They're in more third and longs because they have a better edge defender, you know, playing against the run. That to me is, I think how I'll probably judge him or grade him uh, in terms of sacks and everything else. I think I wouldn't look at the sacks necessarily for him right now, because I don't know where they're going to play him for me though. I would look at, just tackles. How many tackles is he involved? And that's something I, I wouldn't say often, but for a guy like that, a lot of it's going to be effort. And like, how much is he involved? How much is he getting involved in the play? I think it's, are you running back to the ball? Are you scraping down? You know, are you trying to find your way in on everything? That was part of the appeal, you know, for Aiden. So I think you look at a guy like that, that's so active. I would like to see him in on, you know, if he's going to be out there a bunch, 60, something tackles somewhere in there, maybe higher. If he's going to be out there a lot, you want him to be an active, you know, defender that is involved in everything. And I think ultimately that's where he needs to go. I don't know. You know, I don't want to put a number on it one way or the other, but you, you should feel everyone else's job getting easier because he's out there. And I think that's kind of the thing that I look at the most. And, and I find that to be such an interesting point, Jeremy, because how yeah. often, how often do we talk about, tackle numbers are as good as whatever you wipe yourself with. You know what I mean? Like, but, but <laughs> they almost but, always are. 
it, it almost always is, but I think it's such an interesting and, and a point I really hadn't thought about, Nick, in yeah. terms of how you can grade him is because if he's making tackles, he's making yeah. plays at the line of scrimmage, right? It, it's not yeah. a linebacker's yeah. tackle numbers or it's not a safety's tackle numbers. Exactly. That, that said, he's definitely making at least five tackles, 20 yards downfield, right? Like that's just going to happen. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. all of it. Yeah. You want yeah. all of it. I, I looked at, I mean, he was like, that was a big thing that snow for me when he was at Michigan. Like, you want all of it. You want him chasing people down and being like, no, you're not going to just let this guy run around back here and like sit here for 20 minutes. He's going to go get him like yeah. get him off the field. Yeah. Like that's it. <laughs> yeah. And yep. I think that's, you're going to, yeah, you're, you're going to have to use another four downs right. to score. Yeah. Out. Right. Get him off. You're going to yeah, drag his lifeless body <laughs> off. He's not going to just run out of gas. And I think that's yeah. what you want to see, you know, from him in year one for sure. Uh, well, I hate to do this to you because obviously predicting the future it, is just not a good business in the NFL. But if you had a, a ceiling and a floor for, for Aiden Hutchinson's yeah. career in the NFL, what would they be? Well, ceiling, I mean, ceiling would be a star. He would be a star. He would be a, you know, all pro perennial, you know, guy that we think of as a Bosa type, you know, guy that you set your watch to. He's going to be a really good, uh, you know, defender who's going to be on a championship level defense that you can build around, um, which is all package, which is he's rushing the quarterback. He's impacting the run. He's doing everything. And the floor, I think, is that, and that's the fear that you have with him, is that he's a good run defender who just doesn't do it, you know, with the sacks and the pass rush. But I don't think he's ever going to be worse than a good run defender. Same time, you look at that and you say he's the number two pick in the draft. So it's got to be more than just you're a good run defender. You've got to be probably at least a great run defender, right? So I think I look at that and say, you know, absolute floor barring injury, you know, he'd be a guy that plays in the league for a good long while, and is a good player, um, but maybe isn't, you know, game wrecking or whatever else, but the ceiling, he can get to that. I think he can get to the star level, all pro boast the level, you know, type player that we think of is maybe not a 20 sack a year guy, but a guy that, you know, if he's on the defense you're playing against, it's going to be a tough day. It's going to be a long day and he's going to make sure of it. And I think that's, that's Hayden Hutchinson in a nutshell at this point. That's Nick Baumgartner over at The Athletic. You can find him at Nick Baumgartner on Twitter. Uh, where else can they find you and, and what sort of stuff do you have in store for The Athletic? Uh, yeah, we got all kinds of stuff at theathletic.com, uh, the Lions page. Uh, I'll have more college football stuff coming later this summer. Right now, everyone's on vacation, but uh, we're going through a lot of the uh, draft picks or uh, I'm sorry, the draft prospects to watch uh, before the college season. I'm going through ACC stuff right now. So um, more stuff going on this summer. But it'll pick up. You're talking you know. Jeremy's language, man. Yeah. Those, those crazy 2023 mocks are already coming out in the works. Yeah. Well, no, we're we're just slowly going through it. We'll, we'll crank the pressure up in the in late season, as you know. But we'll get there one day at a time, Jeremy. <laughs> well, speaking of which, one of these years, make sure you listen yes. to, to his podcast over there with Chris Burke. Excellent. I always listen to every episode and the Beat Podcast for both you, Michigan and Michigan State fans. Absolutely. But until next time, thank you, Nick, for joining us. Thank you, Ryan, as always. My name is Jeremy. Thanks for listening. Until next time, it's chaos. Be kind. <laughs>